Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Hey, good to see you guys. Uh, I'm Pastor Tim. We actually, you know, I, just a heads up for you guys. We're getting close to Valentine's Day. You're aware of this? It's coming, and I want to wake up some of the sensitive men that we have in our church. We have sensitive men. Did you know that? In fact, we give a little exam. This is a final exam I came across. I think it's helpful to tell if men are sensitive. You ready for this, guys? Think hard. I want you to answer this carefully. Okay, ready? Exam question number one, sensitive guys. Your wife or your girlfriend says that she has gained five pounds in the last month. You tell her that it is A, of no influence whatsoever on your affection for her, B, not a problem, she can join your gym, C, a conservative estimate, A, B, or C. What is your, think carefully, don't call it out loud. Exam question number two, you think today's sensitive, caring man is A, a myth, B, an oxymoron, (laughs) or C, a moron. What is your, okay, think about, think about this, guys. Valentine's Day is coming, and uh, I'm glad that you're here. In fact, today we're preparing for a journey together. For the next eight weeks, we are going on this 40-day Bible challenge in which we're reading through the entire New Testament uh, together by Easter. And honestly, if last week was any indication, people are psyched. We had over 2,000 people sign up. We ran out of Bibles at our Morristown campus. Uh, it was nuts. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was funny because at the book table, there was like this feeding frenzy. And there was a guest at the hotel bar and asked one of our volunteers, are you giving away free beer or something? <laughs> And we're like, no, it's just Bibles, you know, God's word people want. And he's like, okay, uh, you know, here's the deal. Good news, we ordered more. We had hundreds come in this week. So if, you ra- if we ran out, you didn't get yours last week. We have these waiting for you on the table after the service in the lobby. You can pick those up. If you have picked them up, please don't take more than you need. I don't want to see these for sale on eBay, okay? I saw someone with like stacks last week, and that's cool. But, but understand, these are eight bucks a pop. We're giving them away for free. But like, for instance, our kids are going to be listening to the MP3 version, so they don't need a hard copy. Just take the hard copies that you need. And if you haven't signed up yet, maybe you, you've been waiting, you can do that today. Fill out the response card in your program. You'll get a daily email from me with all the links for the daily reading. If you're watching, you're listening online, you can join us. Just go to 40daybiblechallenge.com, and what you can do is sign up, download all the resources, and jump on board. Uh, I'm excited to get started. Anyone else excited to read God's Word? 40 days? Awesome. Remember this. We begin on Monday, February 4th. So hold on. We are just about there. 
Well, this morning, let's turn to Exodus chapter 3 in our Bibles. We're going to learn how to pay attention over the next 40 days, and hopefully you're going to hear God's voice in a fresh way on our journey together. If you're just joining us, this series 40 is really about how God often will use a season of 40, 40 days, 40 nights, 40 years, to prepare people spiritually for a powerful movement of God. We saw how Jesus spent 40 days and nights fasting in the desert. He was attacked. He was tempted by the enemy of his soul. But he actually drew strength from the word of God. That's what nourished him spiritually. And hopefully that's what will sustain you as we read the New Testament together all the way through over the next 40 days. Well, today I want to look at another famous passage that features a spiritual leader who is transformed by a season of 40 in the wilderness. And that leader is Moses. In Exodus 3, this is the account of how Moses spent 40 years in the desert when he finally heard the voice of God calling him to lead Israel out of slavery. Now, Moses is interesting because you could actually divide his life up into three sections of 40 years. He spent the first 40 years of his life in the palace of Pharaoh. He actually grew up as the prince of Egypt. If you read your Bible or watched the Disney movie, you know this is true. Uh, During the second 40-year period, Moses was actually a fugitive on the run in the desert. He was a Hebrew by birth. And one day he saw an Egyptian beating up a fellow Hebrew, and he actually killed him. So he ran for his life. He found himself on the backside of the desert for 40 years, all alone. I want you to think about this. Humble work as a shepherd, from the palace to the outback. And what we see is sometimes God has to humble us mightily before he can use us powerfully. Amen? God used those 40 years to prepare Moses for a special mission. He had a divine destiny in God's plan of salvation, and so do you. This is the account of how God transformed Moses into one of the greatest leaders in history with just a word. A word spoken in the wilderness that changed his life forever. And I believe God has a word for you this morning. You believe that? Who would like to hear a word from God to you this morning? I thought you were just here to steal Bibles, so I'm glad to see those hands. That's good. Let's look at this together. Exodus chapter 3, we'll start at verse 1. It says this, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? And when the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is, what are the words? holy ground. Then he said, I am, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And we'll stop right there because this is one of those stories um, that, that in scripture that I think belong in a file called things that make you go, huh? You know, it's kind of strange. If you haven't been in church a while, you may be like, What's this like supernatural, you know, a burning bush, it's talking. Or if you grew up in church, you're you're familiar with the story already. As a boy, I remember thinking, how cool is this? You know, God goes pyro on this bush. Uh, He torches the thing, but it doesn't burn up. And I always wondered like, how does that work? So now that I'm the pastor, I figured, let's demonstrate how it works. Behold, the holy bonsai tree. Here it is. I got it. And then the Lord gave Moses a propane torch. We're going to heat things up at church today. 
Now, obviously, there's something significant going on here. There's more than meets the eye spiritually. And the big idea is this. Whenever God shows up in a man or woman's life with a word to say, something catches fire. But it doesn't all burn up at once. God's always looking for ordinary things, for ordinary people, in which he can light a fire and then use us powerfully for his purposes. But sometimes he'll allow things actually to heat up in our lives just in order to grab our attention because he wants to tell us something. He wants to reveal something about who he is as a holy God and then who we are as flawed men and women, but that he's called to use and give us a divine destiny in his plan of redemption. Now, the fire here in Exodus is just a symbol, right? It's in, fire, in Scripture, fire is the manifest presence of God. It's burning like a hot fire. And so when God shows up, things heat up. A fire gets started. Now, if you're a Christian, you might be able to recall in your spiritual journey one or two burning bush moments in your life. Do you remember this? Maybe it was the first time you really became aware of your sin, convicted that, you know what, there's, I got a bent frame. Something's wrong on the inside. I can't do life on my own. Sin. But then you felt the love of God. Wait a minute. It's a warming in your heart. Jesus died for me. It was God's grace. He loves me as I am. He accepts me as I am. And he puts his Holy Spirit in you. Some of you are like, please get closer to that hair. I want to see this happen today. I know. I see you. You're like, oh, please, Jesus. <laughs> I love it. But then you come to faith, right? And you have this burning bush moment where the presence of Christ is so palpable. You can feel it in your heart. And for maybe like, you know, the next six months, you were, well, I'm on fire for God, man. I'm just burning up with this. Or maybe you think of a burning bush moment when you like had to come to a decision, right? Where like, where do I go to college? And God spoke to you. I want you to go here. Or you, you felt him leading you. I want you to marry this person. Or I want you to take a certain job. There was a, a blazing sign that lit your way and confirmed God's calling on your life. Or maybe you don't know what I'm talking about at all. <laughs> You've never had a burning bush moment. I see the look on some of your faces. And I'm going to tell you this. Hold on just this morning because you may be in for one this morning. I'm praying this is going to be a wake-up call for some of you, particularly some of the younger people here, because the question that we're all going to face together over the next 40 days is the same question that Moses faced after 40 years, and that is, if something in your life were to suddenly catch fire, to start burning, would you notice it? Would you be spiritually awake, alert enough to look at it, lean in, and listen to what God's saying? to discern the word that God is speaking to you about this situation? Or would you be too busy and distracted to really grasp what God is calling you to? Here in Exodus 3, Moses gives us a model for how to pay attention spiritually in our lives. How do we recognize God's presence and his voice and respond to his word over the next 40 days? Because God has things he wants to say to you. Do you believe that? God's speaking all the time to us. It's just a question, are we tuned into it? If we're honest, most of us go through life so distracted and too busy to notice half the time. At least I do, uh, confession time. Last week, I had two incidents that I'm actually kind of embarrassed to admit, so I figure I'll do it in front of all of you. Uh, I was driving to work in my truck. I have a very short commute, and sometimes because it's short and I'm familiar with it, I space out. You ever do that? I'm like either listening to my music, or I got my earbuds in, or I'm talking on my phone. You know, I'm hands-free, but I got my earbuds in. And I'm turning down Speedwell Avenue, and all of a sudden, woo, what the, you know, cop pulls me over, and he comes to the window, and I'm like, I wonder what this is about. And he's all hot and bothered. I'm like, I don't know why he pulled me, I was my light out, and he's all hot and bothered. He just goes, he goes, did you even see me? I said, I'm, so, I'm sorry, what? He goes, I was sitting at the stop sign, and you just rolled straight through it. You didn't even stop. And I go, that's because I wasn't even paying attention, officer. I, 
I didn't even see the stop sign. I think he like was shocked by my honesty, you know, like it's like a nerd. He's like, you didn't see it at all. I go, I was in La La Land. I wasn't paying attention. And he's like, wait here, you know, and I'm like, oh gosh, maybe. And it's funny because then he comes back and he's like, he's like, all right. He goes, now you work locally? I go, yeah, I'm a pastor. And then another cop goes, he goes, pastor at the Liquid Church. I was like, yeah. And so he gives me a warning. He goes, pay attention, pastor, and hands this to me, okay? Now listen to me. Incident number one. Incident number two happens this past week, and it was a wake-up call. So I'm not going to work. I'm rushing to get home from work, and, and I'm, I'm stopped at this light. And it was one of those days where, like, you know, you finish at the office, but everything's not done, so you just try to get out and be, and be on time. And then you try to, like, use the, the commute to, like, fire off some, you know, voicemails or all that kind of stuff. So I'm using Siri on my iPhone, right, to send some messages. I'm like, Siri, call Tom. Calling mom. No, not mom. You know, call Tom. Calling Tom's mom. Siri's an idiot. Siri's like... You ever have this man? Not that lady's a fool. When you have so much to do and you find yourself like, you know, saving work for your, your commute while the email stuff, all that, it's not good. So I'm sitting at this traffic like arguing with Siri and, uh, and the light turns green and the cars in front, a few in front actually start moving. So I hit the gas and bam, I hit the woman's bumper in front of me because she was sitting. I know some of you are like, you're a menace. Get off the road. I am. Listen to this. She didn't hit her gas yet, okay? And so I was looking at the cars, and again, no major damage, just a little fender bender, you know, no one injured or anything. But we pull over into Friendly's parking lot to exchange insurance, and I'm all apologetic because it's honestly, it's my fault. And she's like, what happened? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. And somewhere in the distance, a rooster crowed three times, you know? And that was a wake-up call for me on a physical level. But I think there's a spiritual lesson here because I think, That's a microcosm of how many of us go through life. We are driven to distraction. We're so overscheduled in such a rush, just trying to cram it all in, that we basically go through life moving from here to there, kind of bumping into things, oh, I'm so sorry, without actually being able to pause and take notice of what's happening around us. I looked at those two incidents as a wake-up call. My wife is like, first off, she goes, you and Siri are over. (laughs) We're no longer talking, okay? That's over. (laughs) Uh, I'm hands-free. I'm ears-free. I'm all on the road. But you know what? I was like, spiritually, I was like, I don't want to go through life in such an overscheduled, you know, distracted way that I don't see the significance of what's burning in the middle of my life until I slam into it. You ever have that and you you don't even recognize it all until a spouse walks and says, I've had it with you. This doesn't work for me anymore. Or the kids start acting out. Wait, she didn't even come home on time. What, why is she still sleeping? Well, she's sick. She's sick. Why is she sick? Wait, has she been drinking? Well, no, no, no. No, she's smoking. Wait, wait, what? How did this happen? What's going? When did this happen? When something catches fire in our life and we can't put it out. And the point Moses makes is if you want to hear from God, you have to pay attention to what's burning in your life before you hurt yourself for those you love. Or worse, you miss out on the message God has for you. Did you notice something here? God doesn't talk to Moses until Moses goes over to listen to him. It says he had the presence of mind to go go see the strange sight and say, Whoa, what was that? Look at how this version puts it. It says, Then Moses said, I must, what are the words? Say it together. Turn aside and look at this strange sight. In other words, there seems to be a cause and effect relationship between Moses' willingness to pay attention and God's willingness to speak into his life. Verse 4 says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. I am present and accounted for. 
So God spoke to Moses for one reason only. Because Moses turned aside, he paused, and he slowed down, and he looked, and he leaned in to understand what God was saying in the middle of this burning situation, smack dab in the middle of his life. This practice, guys, of paying attention is deeply spiritual. And I believe it's a spiritual discipline that you and I are going to have to cultivate over these next 40 days if you're going to get anything out of reading God's word. Because it's one thing to read your Bible, but it's another for God to speak his word to you on that kind of burning personal level. You know, so many of us are hungry for like, I want to hear a word from the Lord. I I want him to, to speak to this situation. But the manic pace and the activity of our lives leave little room for us to hear from him. And that's why you and I need solitude. You know what solitude is? Solitude, people think it's, oh, it's just time alone. Like, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed in life. I got to go to the movies. I just need to check out. I need time alone. That's not solitude. Spiritual solitude is time alone in God's presence. I'm alone with God and him. He has my full attention. I'm all ears to what he wants to say about this burning situation in my life. Notice where Moses is when God gets his attention. Where is he? He's on the backside of the desert. He's not the mall. <laughs> He's at the desert. He's at the same place that Jesus found himself 2,000 years later. You're making a connection. It actually notes Moses had led his flock to the far side of the desert. In other words, he was on the outskirts, way, 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 way out there, all alone, tending sheep for four decades. Think you get your attention for 40 years of quiet? Solitude is time alone with God where we give him our full attention, we can pay attention to what's on fire and what God has to say about it in our lives. So here's my challenge to you. You've already said, I'm, I'm, I'm devoting 40 days to reading God's word. I want you, I want to challenge you to devote 40 minutes every day to this solitude. The daily reading alone is going to take about 30 minutes, okay? But here's the deal. If you just read and say, okay, I just finished my reading. Siri, what do I do next? If you go on to the next thing, you're not going to get anything out of it. You can't just go into your to-do list. I want you to add that 10 minutes so that you can spend time reflecting, praying. Praying is simply talking to God about what you've read and say, Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you preparing for for this day? What, What do you have to say? Solitude is the place of revelation where God reveals his divine direction for your life. I've gotten so many answers in my personal life, my family, my marriage, leading this church from my time alone in solitude, not in meetings. It's a place of transformation. It's where you actually are changed and become more and more like Christ, the spiritual leader that God is calling you to be. And the truth is, I think these burning bush moments are happening all the time in our lives. I think they are. You don't don't have to wait 40 years. If you slow down over the next 40 days, you're going to actually wake up to God's presence and see them all around. So for the next eight weeks, I want you to be on high alert for a burning bush in your life. What, what is a burning bush anyway? A burning bush is just something that is strange or unexpected or it's out of the ordinary in which you sense the supernatural presence of God. You sense he's moving in some way and talking to you. You can't predict it. <laughs> you can't orchestrate it. You can't put a blowtorch. I want a burning bush. But God says, I want you to turn aside and pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. When I look at, back on 2012, and a major burning bush in my life, and I think in the life of our church, it was the gift of our mountainside campus. Uh, for those of you who are new, we were contacted by a 191-year-old Bible church in Mountainside, that's central New Jersey along Route 22, an older congregation of incredible uh, followers, 60, 70 years old, had dwindled down to about 30 people. And they asked if we would consider adopting them as a campus of liquid because they share our commitment to God's word, a passion for reaching the lost. 
And the day before we got that phone call, I had an author come speak to the Liquid staff about leadership. And, and he handed me at the end of his talk his latest book with the title, Better Together, Making Church Mergers Work. He said, Tim, you may need this at some point in your future. I said, thank you very much. Put it on my desk. We got the phone call the next morning at 7 a.m. from this church saying, is there a possibility of us merging? And so we met, we hit it off, and 33 days after that original phone call, their congregation voted unanimously to donate their entire church to Liquid. Building, property, assets, parcel, all of it, everything. Just look at it. It's incredible. It always chokes me up looking at those saints saying, I want the younger generation. We're going to pass the baton. And that happened in 33 days. That's a burning bush moment. That is something completely out of left field, completely unexpected. We could never orchestrate it. We could only screw it up. I think that's why God gave me a book to read. (laughs) But for a church that's never owned a building, suddenly we have this this property. Burning bush moment, you agree? Typically, you can't get Christians to agree on the color of the carpet, okay? Let alone donate an entire ministry. And it was very humbling. There was this palpable sense like, God, what are you, you're doing something. What are you saying through this? And you know what? It's very interesting to me because I think at some point we're going to look back and say, that's what that was about. That's, how, that's the piece of the puzzle of our mission to reach New York, New Jersey, the whole metro area for Christ. For me, it's kind of a kindled this passion to bridge generations, you know, to see younger congregations like ours partner and connect with more mature congregations so we can kind of learn actually humbly from our spiritual forefathers and mothers, but they can benefit from our younger energy and, and momentum. That may be something that God is calling us towards in a greater degree in the years to come. I don't know. Because a burning bush doesn't make sense all at once. You think Moses looked at this and was like, oh, that's amazing. I think I understand what that means. He says, like, that's weird. Let me look into this thing. Now, God made that transfer of mountainside happen in 33 days. We draw up, you know, renovation plans. And what's kind of interesting is the local zoning board, we discovered, don't share God's timetable. Uh, you know, it's been a slow go. We're at the tail end of the approval process. We expect full approval by February, so you can pray about that. We hope to open that campus later this year. But even with that delay, I look back on 2012. That's what I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember the moment where all of a sudden we walked in. A guy handed me a book, and next day, 33 days later, we have a central campus. Okay, I'll remember that. I'm not 100% sure how it all fits together in the long run. But that's one of the specific things I'm asking God to reveal to me over the next 40 days. God, help me as a leader understand how this fits in your mission to reach New Jersey and the whole metro area. So I want you to think of this 40-day challenge as a journey in the desert. We are following Jesus, who followed Moses, and we're not investing 40 years. We're giving eight weeks, asking God to speak powerfully and prophetically into our lives. Now, burning bushes don't have to actually be that spectacular, by the way. I was talking with a friend, you know, this past week about his job. He actually, this is the language he used. He said, I said, how's it work going? He said, it's crazy. He goes, Tim, it's actually heating. Things are heating up at my job. (laughs) He was offered a promotion kind of out of nowhere, and he goes, it's amazing. It's significantly higher pay. It's a bit more travel. And I said, so what are you going to do? He said, well, you know, i got to take the money, right? I said, you know what? I wouldn't decide immediately because that's how most people do it. They look with the fleshly man. They say, what's in this for me? They weigh the material benefits, more money. And I was like, I said to my friend, I said, what has God said to you in the middle of this before you make a move? Because it could be part of God's plan for your life, but what if it's a distraction sent by the enemy to divide your family? My question for you this morning is this, what's burning in your life? Is there a situation that God's brought to a boil where you need to lean in and get a word of clarification from the Lord? Maybe it's your marriage. Your marriage is on fire. I don't mean in a good way. (laughs) Maybe the passion has gone cold. The romance is dying. The only thing hot are your arguments. They're more intense than usual. Have you noticed this? Don't ignore that. Don't ignore that. That's part of spiritual leadership. Or avoid it. Men, this is crucial for us. We often avoid this. 
you got to step up, turn aside like Moses, look into it, lean into it, look into it with a Christian counselor. That's leadership. If your family's on fire, you seek the Lord, lest your whole house burns to the ground. So I want you to ask this question right now to yourself. What's on fire in my life? What's burning at home? What's, what's on fire at, at, at work, at school? What's burning in the middle of your life? Think specifically about a burning bush through which God may be trying to get your attention today or tell you something critical over the next 40 days. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to Moses from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is what? It is holy ground. In other words, burning bush moments are just that. It's holy ground. It's when all of a sudden the mundane blazes into life and you wake up to the presence of God in this situation. The light bulb goes on. That's how we say it in the world. The spirit starts speaking to our heart and we begin getting a glimpse, mark this, of the divine destiny that God has planned for your life. Moses doesn't know what this is all about at first. And here's the other thing. He's not 40 years old at this point. You know how old he is? He's 80 years old. He's an old man on the backside of the desert. And God says, now, 80 years old, I am finally ready to use you. (laughs) How does that feel? If you're 70 or 80, praise God for you today, man. God's just about getting ready to use you, you know? We look at this like, oh, I'm easing in retirement. He's like, Moses, now, I've been sharpening you, man. You know why I think it took 40 years for Moses? Because God always tests his weapons before he uses them. Where do they test nuclear weapons? Out in the desert. God never uses one of his kingdom weapons without testing it first. And that's why he kept Moses there for 40 years, to actually drain some of that anger that he originally murdered that guy, tenderize his soul, give him compassion and solitude, and actually use that wilderness training to equip him for the dangerous mission he was about to go on. What was the mission? Look at verse 7. Exodus 3 says, the Lord said, I've indeed seen, what? The misery of my people. There's people suffering. I've heard them crying out, he said to Moses, because they're slave drivers. I'm concerned. Another word, another version says moved. I'm moved by their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God had a mission for Moses. And notice it was a mission birthed out of pain and suffering. He looked on his people and he heard their cries. Some of you are like, I don't know if God even sees me. Forget a mission. I'm the one in pain. God sees your tears. The scripture says he hears your cries, especially a cry of desperation. Israel was desperate at this point. They were slaves in captivity. They were beaten and exploited by the Egyptians. But then God shows up in this burning bush on the backside of the desert. And with a single word, he changes Moses' destiny. At that point, Moses, here's what it was said on his tombstone. Fugitive, murderer, 80 years old, didn't do anything. Life must have passed him by. But God says, it's not too late for you. Moses, you are going to be my redeemer. I have chosen you, I have appointed you, and I have anointed you as a leader to go to Pharaoh, speak the word of God, and I'm going to set people free through you. That's what you call a burning mission, amen? Take off your shoes, Moses. I am about to set you on fire and put my word in your mouth. What would you give for God to speak to you that way? To give you a mission with that sense of clarity, that kind of heat. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Guys, the reality is this. The Holy Spirit still does speak to us that way. It may not be a literal burning bush. You're not going to go home today and you walk in the living room and the couch is on fire. Whoa, what's that? Uh? But the Holy Spirit still does speak to our hearts. And if you pay attention, 
you can gain a sense of the mission that he's calling you to to reach your redemptive potential. What I mean is, that's God's purpose for your life. He doesn't just save you so you can go to heaven. You are saved so you can help bring heaven to earth. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So people who are in pain, I'm going to bring relief to. People who are in slavery, I'm going to proclaim freedom. Amen? People who are broken, I'm going to help bring healing. I'm going to join Jesus in his mission. And guess what? That's one of the main missions that God gives you in life. Until you locate yours, you will miss out on part of the purpose that God saved you for. Some people say, well, I don't know what my burning bush is. You know what one way to answer that question is? What stirs your soul? What burns in your heart? What what brings you to life? What gives you joy? In the New Testament, some of Jesus' disciples, after his resurrection, were out walking on the road, and they bump into Jesus, and they didn't recognize him at first. But after they break bread together, all of a sudden, the scales fall from their eyes. They see the presence of Christ. They have a burning bush moment. And look what they ask each other. Listen it. Let's read it together. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and, and he opened the scriptures to us? In other words, when you are in the presence of Jesus Christ over these next 40 days, he's going to open his word to you in a personal way and you'll know because you'll get a case of heartburn. A case of, can you say holy heartburn? Holy heartburn. You ever feel that way? I don't mean in a bad way. When you do something in life that brings you joy, it brings God pleasure, and it meets the deep cry and pain of people, and you think, man, I was made for this. I love adding that value onto people's life. I feel that way sometimes when I preach, you know, with you guys. Just like, God, would you just speak? And then I see it connect with people. I'm like, man, that just brings pleasure. I know it honors God because it's his word. It's not mine. But it brings joy and completion in my heart. And guys, that's one of the ways that God speaks. You know that you're in his sweet spot because he makes your heart burn with his Holy Spirit. I saw a great example of this on the, on the weekend at our Winter Carnival outreach for families with special needs. Um, it was amazing, guys. Just as a church, I am so proud of you guys. If you're new, we have this growing passion to serve families who have children with special needs, autism, Asperger's, ADHD, you name it, we have it. We love it. We love those families at Liquid, and we, God's given us this passion to give them the royal treatment. So it was incredible. We had over 200 uh, you know, kids and families show up. The ages ranged. We had two-year-olds. Uh, you know, uh, with mild autism. We had people in wheelchairs with disabilities, 21-year-old kid with severe Asperger's. We had the whole range there. And our volunteers had set up a variety of kinetic sensory events for these guys. It was just designed for special needs, very, very tactile, like, you know, fishing in water. Kids, a lot of of wetness going on at this (laughs) outreach. Uh, They were searching in rice and sand. And the key was every child had the undivided attention of a host. For an entire hour, or it's actually two hours that they were there, but they were there hours before the volunteers getting ready trained, where those kids, they felt celebrated, they felt special, they felt like they were the most important kid in the world. And I was talking with this one family who had their autistic uh, child there, and uh, they said, we don't go to your church, but we just want to thank your people so much. We've never gone out in public to an amusement park, we've never gone to to anything, because the the noise and the lights are so overwhelming, our kids run off. But you've got two volunteers here who are taking my child by the hand around and make him feel like he's the only kid in the room. You guys thought of everything. And then they, they, when they left, by the way, we had, I thank you guys who volunteered outside. While they, parents were inside, we detailed their cars in the freezing cold. Thank you guys for doing that. Incredible. And I want to thank, can we thank specifically uh, Beatrice and Doug and Kelly? And there, would you put these guys up there? We're so grateful to our volunteer teams who came together for this. I want to. I want to just just read this. I got this email this morning. It says this, We don't venture out much as a family, but when we do, we come back feeling drained and overwhelmed. 
But today, leaving, we felt energized and our kids were exhausted and they're actually asleep already, praise God. All right, you gave a gift to those, those people. We're so grateful for the help of Mayor and Heather, our buddies. They were so sweet and just pitched right in and the love and kindness of all volunteers showered on our kids. It was amazing. Now listen to this. I was talking to some of the other moms and they were in awe of the red carpet treatment those families received. Every detail was thought of to make the day go smoothly and our kids felt so special. One of the moms was in the chill-out space apologizing because her autistic son, who looked to be about 10 years old, had kicked off his shoes and was running around and wanted to play in his bare feet. Well, the volunteers were telling her to let him go, let him be happy, and not worry about it. The look on her face brought me to tears as I watched her digest their acceptance of her precious boy. The relief on her face was visible. Her whole body relaxed. I was so proud we're showing Christ to people this way. Amen? Guys, that's the power. That is the power. When you find your calling, guys, and because I, I was talking with one of, the, uh, one of the volunteer leaders. She's a teaching specialist. She, she actually works with children with autism during the week. That's her job. And then she comes here on Sunday and volunteers as a buddy at Liquid Kids working with your children. And here she is on her Saturday giving up weeknights to plan it. And I go up to her and I said, hey, I want to just thank you for your sacrifice. You know what she said to me? She said, sacrifice, Tim. I love this. She goes, I can't get enough of these kids. I never actually planned to do this as a career, but then I started teaching. Then I started volunteering at Liquid Kids, and now I just, I just, Tim, I feel like this is what God created me to do. Think of those words. I feel like God made me to do this. That's a burning bush moment. Just like God looked at Moses and said, I've heard for 80 years the cry of my people, and I'm calling you to redeem them. I believe God is calling this young woman. I've seen the special needs of these children and I'm calling you to serve and to love them. That's your calling. That's your divine destiny in my kingdom. That's how I'm going to use your gifts. I'm going to light a fire down in your soul and use you to touch the lives of the least, the last, and the lost. That's a beautiful thing. It's a holy moment. It is, it is sacred ground. That's the essence of what it means to be called by God. You know, in Christian circles, you hear a lot about calling, right? Like, oh, what am I called to do? What's God want me to do with my life? I'll make it simple for you. Frederick Buchner came up with a beautiful definition of calling. He says, calling is the place God calls you to, is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Your, your, what brings you alive, what may, your gladness and the world's sadness, where there's pain and tragedy, where they kiss, where they collide, that's where your calling is. He says, Moses, I've heard the cries of my people. I know you have a heart for them. You murdered that guy. And you know what? I'm going to redeem that. And I'm calling you to lead them. And ending their slavery is your burning bush. Those autistic kids, you have such compassion for them. It comes naturally. I'm calling you. Their special needs, that's your burning bush. Guys, I think whenever a young man or a woman actually turns aside, opens themselves to the word of God and actually says, use me. Match my gladness to the world's sadness. Use me. That's an offer God can't refuse. Amen? God is always looking for the most ordinary people that he can set on fire and change the world. He did it with Moses. It took 40 years. But he finally heard God's voice clearly, and it changed his life. And that's how I'm praying for some of you, that over the next 40 days, God is going to speak to some of you with that exact same kind of intensity and precision. As you meditate on his word and his spirit warms your heart, I pray that your calling will become very clear. I I remember as a young boy... When God lit that flame for me, I was only 14 or 15 at the time, and I had a summer job cutting grass, and um, 
I actually worked for the town department of public works and uh, I had to ride one of those big tractors, you know, with all the, the blades that you mow the outfield grass. That was my job mowing the town football and baseball fields. All right. So here's how this worked. Kind of like the, the, some of the janitors would pick me up at 7 a.m. in the morning and they drop me off at a baseball field way in the back of the school and say, see you at noon, you know, for lunch. So for four or five hours, it was just me and my mower going in circles in the outfield. The football uh, fields were very boring because it's a rectangle. I like the baseball because it's like a diamond. It's in it. And so I, I would sit there on this thing. I'd take off my shirt. I'd put headphones on. It wasn't music because the blades were so loud. You, just, you couldn't hear anything. So it's just me and my thoughts on the backside of the outfield for five hours. And every Monday to pass the time, I would find myself doing something kind of crazy. I would re-preach in my head the sermon I heard on Sunday because it was so boring. I went, honestly, I'll be honest. I'm grateful for the church I went to, but the church I grew up in, there were three points to every sermon. It always spelled something. You know, it's like I was bored to tears. And actually, at that age, when I was 14 years old, I filled in all the blanks. And I had this sense that the greatest sin you could commit in church is to be boring, Like the message of Jesus, it's supposed to be the greatest news in the world. That God isn't angry. He loves you. He sent his son to forgive your sins. He's going to put a spirit in you. You're going to have a new life. Why is that so boring? So on Mondays, as a 15-year-old, 14, 15, I would get on my tractor and put on my headphones. And I'd I'd be like, okay, so I'll start off with this opening joke. And then I'd add this verse. And I'll tell this funny story. Ha, 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 ha. And I'd wave my, I must have looked like a nut. Because if you looked at me, you'd see, who is that guy waving, you know, in the outfield on the tractor? And I remember this one day, I'm I'm sitting on the edge of the outfield grass. I'm all alone, taking a break and just waiting for the guys to come pick me up for lunch. And I remember this. I had the distinct sense of God saying, Tim, I am calling you to preach my word. I want to burn in you. And to be honest, I didn't want to hear it. (laughs) When you're a 15-year-old, it's not like, I want to grow up and be a preacher, you know? It's like, I'm going to be shortstop, man, the Yankees. What are you talking about? But God spoke to me. I was 14 and 15 on the edge of that outfield grass, a far side of left field when I was young. Because he had me in this place where I could pay attention and there was this discontent in my soul. And there was this burning conviction in my heart. I want to help the church connect with a new generation. I don't ever want to commit the sin of being boring in church. And that's why I'm standing here this morning talking to you with a blowtorch in my hand. Does this make sense to you? Because that's my calling. I'm a holy arsonist, man. I love it. I, I want to see the word of God set fire. That's, that, I, that's why I love this stuff. It's like, it's like chariots of fire. I feel God's pleasure, you know. I look back on that time that God spoke to me when I was cutting grass. He sent an angel into the outfield. It was a burning bush moment for me. And so I felt like God impressing on me this morning to close by speaking to you young people here. I'm 40. I ain't young. <laughs> I used to be a young man. Now I'm just a man. But I want to encourage you to listen for God's voice in your life. Because you don't have to wait till you're 40 or 80. God can and will call you at any age for his purposes. Amen? You got to have ears to hear. You just need a heart to sense his presence and a hunger to say, here I am. I'll go. And I'm going to be praying for you. Whether you're in middle school, you're in high school, you're in college, wherever you are, that over the next 40 days, I'm like, Lord, would you just, just speak powerfully, Lord, to one or two people in a way that changes their life? And I'm praying for some of you. I'm praying, man. I'm praying God just, whew, he just sets you on fire, man. And you're never the same. And you look back and you say, you remember that crazy dude with the blowtorch? 30 years from now. Because you gave your life to something bigger than yourself. And as you read the Bible cover to cover, and all of a sudden it wasn't just your parents' faith. It became yours. It became burning in you. And you rise up and you say, I'm going to be a leader in my generation. 
and I'm going to call faithless, our faithless culture back to Jesus Christ. God told me to tell some of you that this morning. He's speaking to you. It may just be one or two of you who, who receives that word from him. You may not even be in this room. You may be listening online or have your earbuds in or you're arguing with Siri. Mark this. God's calling you. You're chosen. You are loved and you are anointed for this mission. So pay attention these next 40 days. What is your burning bush? Where does your deep gladness and the world's sadness collide? God created you for that purpose and nothing will stop him if you let him set you on fire. Amen? Let's pray together. All our campuses, Nutley, New Brunswick, we're bowing our heads. Father, we thank you so much. I thank you for the men and women, God, you're already using. Lord, the volunteers who we saw ministering powerfully, Lord, to those children with special needs, Father. That is the closest it gets to your heart. And Lord, I thank you for the men and women. Would you just protect them, fill them, Lord? Every time you pour us out, we need to be filled up with your spirit. Do it again, Lord. Refresh us now for the journey ahead. But God, I pray right now for the men and women. Lord, I pray for the boys and girls, the kids right now who are just driving around and they're listening to these words, but they're hearing your voice that you're going to call to them and you're going to use them powerfully. God, and lives are going to change. People are going to be set free. Generations are going to come back to God. We praise you, Jesus, for that. We get to be in on that. God, do a work in our church over the next 40 days. Let us burn, set a fire down deep in our soul. And may all the glory go to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Good to be with you guys today. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.